Hello and welcome to the episode of the Hope Mindful Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I look after the mindfulness program here at Hope. Hi, my name is Will. I'm one of the support workers at Hope who looks after the refuge recovery meeting on Sundays. So Will, you look after the refuge recovery. What is refuge recovery? Refuge recovery is a Buddhist-inspired path to recovery. It's a support group that meets worldwide. And is it, is it more or less the same as the 12 Steps? It's different. There are some similarities. It does have a structured program you can follow, a, a path to follow, but it doesn't actually use the 12 Steps. And how, how does it actually differ? What, what specific way does it differ from the 12 Steps? Well, the meetings begin with a 15 to 20 minute long meditation, and then from there it goes into a reading from the Refuge Recovery book. And after that reading on a topic, people are free to share whatever they want to share on the topic or any other way that they can relate their recovery in Buddhism. And what type of meditation do they normally do at the beginning of the meeting? It's always a guided meditation, which is nice because it makes it, makes it accessible to anyone, even if they don't have experience meditating before. Do you mean like recorded guided or does the, you know, it, what's the setup? Is there kind of a... Is it similar to the 12 step meetings in that you have like someone as a secretary, that kind of thing? Yeah, there is a facilitator for every meeting. That person is not necessarily an empowered Buddhist meditation teacher, but they are someone with experience. So most of the time they will read a guided meditation live. That's about 15 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes, somewhere like that. And does that, how many meditations are there? Sorry, what's that? How many different meditations are there? Yeah, there are about 10 that are recommended that are on the Refuge Recovery website. Um, so those 10 scripts can be used, but if whoever is facilitating the meeting wants to, they are perfectly free to go beyond that and discover their own and bring in new ones. And what about this reading? So you said it's from the Refuge Recovery book. What is the Refuge Recovery book? The Refuge Recovery book is basically just a book that outlines the entire program. So it takes the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path of Buddhism and talks about those, but it talks about them from the point of view of addiction, or specifically substance or process addictions. And, and who, who wrote this book? It was written by Noah Levine. And who was he? He was an addict. Is he dead? No, he's still alive. <laughs> um, he grew up in California in the 1980s and struggled with addiction himself. And then he got sober through the 12 steps originally, but felt like there was still more he could do and that he could still push his recovery farther. And so his father was a well-known Buddhist um, meditation teacher too. So Noah got introduced to it from there. So, uh, he, so he's kind of split off from the, the 12 steps. And do you, uh, would you say yourself in your own experience, because you, you do both, don't you? Yes. Would you say the two of them are actually compatible? I think they are very compatible. In my personal opinion, I think they are better at different things. Each one has its own strength. So the 12 steps is extremely good at getting people sober and keeping them sober in the early days. It's accessible, it's simple, and you can find it anywhere. Refuge recovery, I believe, is better for long-term recovery, I guess you could say. It's better at cultivating the gratitude and the appreciation for sobriety after you get through those, those rough early few days, months, Years. I mean, do, do people sort of go into refuge recovery right from day one, or does it tend to be that way, that it's something that people tend to go later? I can't necessarily say. I would recommend that people just try them both. Mm. And whichever one is working best for someone at that given stage of their recovery, then great. Grand. So, and so where... Um, so who is it actually sort of specifically for? Like, so it's for anyone in recovery, anyone from, is it alcohol, 
drugs generally, uh, process addictions? Like, wh- who's it actually aimed for? Aimed at? I would say all of the above. Um, in the Refuge Recovery book, they do talk about all of the above. So it's not limited to only one particular type of addiction. So even stuff like, say, gambling? Right. Um, because the, the Buddhist approach talks about how we constantly crave and want more of things that make us feel good. So whether or not that thing that makes you feel good is drugs or sex or gambling or shopping, it doesn't matter. Right. It's all the same thing from the Buddhist approach of craving. And do they do the same thing in, in these meetings where the, you know, the, the participants identify themselves as, say, the type of addict they are? No, uh, we don't do that in refuge recovery meetings. From the Buddhist perspective, in a way, being an addict is kind of part of the human condition. Humans are naturally built to want more things that make us feel good and also avoid pain. It's part of our survival instinct. So you could say that every single human ever born on some level is an addict. And so we don't specifically differentiate between people who are coming to refuge recovery meetings where that addiction might have gotten more out of control than it has for other people because we're all the same. And is it similar to, in, in a sense, that are you meant to go to refuge recovery for the rest of your life? That would be up to the person themselves. So, based off what I just said on that last question, since those addictive tendencies are part of the natural human condition and they won't necessarily go away, then it is something that does require some long-term effort to kind of maintain the progress that we make. In my personal experience, once I found that I was practicing the things that are recommended through the Refuge Recovery Program, I didn't want to stop. Because when I came back into the present moment and I started noticing the things in life that I have appreciation and gratitude for, little things like the birds chirping or listening to the wind in the leaves of a tree, I didn't want to lose those things anymore. So am I going to continue practicing these things for the rest of my life? Yes, I will. But that's not because I need to, it's because I want to. One of the, the things that, that attracted me to Buddhism as a kid was this idea that there is a, a kind of finish line you can cross over. And in the sense that, you know, you can, you know, that, say within the Buddha talked about waking up. I mean, is that a viable goal for people who attend refuge recovery to wake up from addiction? Personally, for me, I don't try and think that far ahead. Um, I just kind of worry about what I'm doing now and the benefits I'm getting from this now. If through my practice that ends up happening, then great, that would be amazing. But is that, is, is that, is that, the, is that the kind of um, the, the purpose of it? So say the purpose of, you know, you talked about the Four Noble Truths, the purpose is to wake people up. I mean, is that the purpose that has been used for here? I guess ideally, yes. That would be that would be the end goal, and sometimes sometimes I get like little hints of it, you know. But obviously, it's still a long way for away from me. You know, it's been it's only been about a year and a half that I've been mm-hmm. clean and sober now. So every now and then, I'll get like a little hint or a little taste of that might be what it's like. So that's always a nice a nice idea, a nice feeling. Yeah. I suppose the reason I mean that that was important that question was important for me is that the idea. Eventually, the idea of being an addict for the rest of my life and having to constantly make an effort not to, not to be in active addiction, it, I didn't find it very appealing at all. And it was, it was only the promise that there was an escape that kind of really, you know, appealed to me. 
Right, I understand what you're saying. Um, so, it, like in, in in the in these meetings, I mean, with the whole sort of refuge recovery, I mean, is there a kind of underlying, like in in, in the same way that the, the Buddha talks about, this is the steps of his awakening, that that it is kind of leading to this kind of um, waking up from addiction, this kind of. Um, not this ongoing having to constantly kind of deal with craving, but to actually, you know, eventually escape craving. Right. So, in my experience, when I first got clean and sober, it was a constant battle. It was constantly having to tell myself, I want that, but I, I can't have it. And the longer that I practiced these Buddhist principles and practice being in the present moment and enjoying the things around me, the more that I'm approaching this point where... It's not telling myself something that I can't have something. It's more that I actually like how I am right now. Right, and so and so, would you say at, that you've actually had had evidence almost that it, it is at least feasible to to get beyond craving? Yeah, I would say so. Obviously, I do still have cravings sometimes, mm. but I have a lot less than I did before. And with every passing day or week or month, I have less and less. And I'm getting closer and closer to that ideal place that I would like to be at. Brilliant. And I, I, I suppose, I mean, like, you know, this is the difference between, is this about, you know, being in this process of awakening or is it about awakening? Because <laughs> we, yeah. kind of, we can kind of spend our life trying to do something or we can actually just do it eventually. I suppose yeah. that's, that, that's the kind of difference. So kind of changing the subject a little bit, What is is this all free? It is, yes. Is, is there a collection in the same way? There is, but it's obviously not mandatory. Right, and and the, the the sort of the the setup of the meeting is that kind of you know that, that's laid out in the book. Um, there, are, if you go online to the Refuge Recovery website, there is a section on starting a meeting. So it has the general meeting format, and it also has any handouts or readings that you would need to start a meeting. So the meeting format, I don't believe, is in the actual Refuge Recovery book, um, but it is all available online. And do people need permission to start a meeting? Nope. And as long as, long as they kind of follow the format, they're, they're okay to call it Refuge Recovery? Yes. And, it just, and how many people does it need to start a meeting? One. Just one person? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could start a meeting and you could sit there and meditate by yourself and then do a little reading out of the book and reflect on that if you wanted to. And what, what countries have you noticed that has this? It's growing quite quickly. It started in Southern California, and so there were a lot of meetings there, but it has been branching out and it's been growing quite quickly. Um, I know that just from talking to clients who have come to the meeting here and then looked for a meeting back home, that there are countries, or at least places within certain countries, that didn't have meetings when I first started this meeting at Hope that now have meetings. And I know that through the clients looking at meetings. Countries like where? Um, obviously the UK. I believe Australia has some now. Um, Thailand, we have a few here in Thailand. It's it's branching out quite quick, quick uh, quite quickly. It's actually rather hard to, to keep up with it with how quickly it's growing. And is there some really like, and how often? I mean, it's obviously going to depend on what's available. But like you know, say you live in a place where there's lots of refuge recovery meetings. Is there actually any encouragement to go to a certain say number a week or a certain number a month, or is that just completely up to the person? I would say it's not as um, strictly recommended that a certain number attended, like how in NA or AA there's the 90 and 90. Mm. There's no clear guideline that I'm aware of like that. But 
generally speaking, I would say that the more the better, if for no other reason than meditating on a daily basis is hugely beneficial. So for myself, I find it more difficult to sit down and meditate by myself than if I go somewhere where other people are meditating and meditate with them. And how, how have you found people here have, you know, so you've been, you've been running the refugee recovery here at Hope. How do you find the clients have reacted to it? They really liked it. I think that people find that it makes sense. Um, on a first read through the book or the first time that some of these topics are approached, they can seem a little complicated. But once you look at them and you really sit down and you start thinking about them, it's relatively simple. It all makes logical sense. Mm. And I feel like people are finding it to be very accessible. And, and what would you recommend to people? That they read this refugee recovery book first or that they would come to a meeting first? Or would it? I would say that there'd be no reason to wait to go to a meeting until after you've read the book. That You might as well start going to meetings while you're reading the book. And would it make sense to someone who hasn't read the book? Yeah, I think it would. And even if someone doesn't have any experience meditating or knows absolutely nothing about Buddhism before walking into one of the meetings they could always talk to someone after the meeting. They could always go up to the person facilitating the meeting and say, hey, I have a couple of questions about this. Um, and I'm sure they would be more than happy to answer those questions. And so this after the meeting kind of um, get-together, is that common? Yeah, I went to a meeting in Chiang Mai a while ago. And after the meeting, I think we spent a solid 45 minutes just standing around and talking about, uh, just kind of furthering a discussion on the topic of the meeting afterwards. So I know in the in the twelve step meetings they have this you know sponsorship thing where you know one of a, a more senior member kind of takes you under under their wing. Does a similar thing happen within refuge recovery, or can it happen? Is it encouraged? Yes, it definitely can happen, and it also is encouraged to find someone to to help you through it. It's not necessary. So if someone is in an environment where they might not have access to a physical refuge recovery meeting yet, then there are all the questions in the book, and the program is very laid out, so someone can do it. But it would be recommended to find someone to, just to have someone to answer your questions and help guide you through it. And is, is it formal in, in the same way as the 12-step, in that you'd pick one person and kind of have that special relationship with that one person, or is it just whoever you can get hold of kind of thing? As of right now, I don't believe it is as formal. That being said, I think it would be beneficial to have one primary person to help you through it because mm -hmm. um, once they got to know you and they got to know the, the types of questions you were having and the types of things you might be struggling with obviously that is helpful in building that relationship with one person but that doesn't mean you couldn't also go to a different meeting where there might be different people and ask them for help too. Given that you know the number of meetings does seem still a bit limited what about online meetings? There are online meetings. If you go to refugerecovery.org slash phone dash meetings, then on that page, they have a list of online meetings and phone meetings. So they can either be video chat or you can call in with a normal um, phone number. And how often do they happen? Quite often. I mean, often enough that there's at least a couple a day, I believe. I mean, some people are going to maybe very interested in this, but they may be kind of put off with the idea this sounds kind of religious. What would you say to them? Refuge Recovery is not a religious program. It takes the principles of Buddhism and says, hey, like this worked for us, so try these. And if they help you and they work for you, then great. But there's no sort of 
higher power to pray to, or there's no sort of religious component in that sense. I mean, you don't have the kind of, you know, say here in, in Thailand, Buddhism will often sort of bow before statues and, and that kind of thing. Does that take place in the meeting, that kind of religious no, kind of... It's simply lifting the teachings and the principles of Buddhism and applying them to addiction recovery. And would you say, you know, that somebody coming to one of these meetings must at least have some interest in Buddhism? Is it, is it more or less for Buddhists? No, I don't think so. The Buddhist principles I have found apply to everything um, in life in a way that is useful and accessible to anyone. Since Refuge Recovery is not a religious program, then it will not clash with someone's religion or lack of religion. So anybody can come in and look at it and listen to it and try it and see if it works for them without any sort of conflict. So Will, how would you um, say that this, you know, Refuge Recovery, how has it kind of helped you personally? What Can you give think of an example where it's actually helped you? The subject that pops into my mind would be on forgiveness. As with anyone who has struggled with a substance addiction, I had a lot of resentments in the past, and sometimes new ones pop up. But from a Buddhist perspective, an enlightened mind will never intentionally cause harm to another being. And that when people do something that is unskillful or does cause harm to another person, that is by definition the result of their own suffering or their own confusion. So once I approached that topic, I was able to take a step back and look at people who had harmed me in the past and recognize where they were coming from and any difficulties they might be struggling with. And once I was able to do that, it really helps replace that anger and that resentment with compassion towards that person, which is a much more peaceful place to live. Definitely. That's a brilliant example. And how did that kind of change things for you? I just stopped being as angry of a person. You know, whether or not it was... Suddenly, or was it kind of, has it just been gradual after that kind of, has it kind of worn you down, that kind of realization? Well, there was an initial jump. When I made that first realization, there was a big improvement instantly. But that being said, it does take constant work, um, at least right now, because some of those resentments are so ingrained because I've spent years building them and practicing resenting people, actually, I guess you could say. And did you have that light bulb moment? Was it in a meeting, a refugee recovery meeting, or just from reading the book, or just thinking about it afterwards when the penny dropped? It was from a meeting that I went to where the topic was forgiveness. So we did the reading from the book. So it's something that I continue to work on because there's always more progress to be made. But it's something that I've gotten a huge amount of benefit from in just not being as angry of a person anymore. Brilliant. That's a great example. Can you recommend some resources for refuge recovery? Like what, the, what would some of the after listening to this say, oh, that sounds interesting, but what should they do next? I would say the first thing to do would be to go onto the Refuge Recovery website and look up whether or not there are meetings in your area. What's, that address? What's the address again? It's refugerecovery.org. And if you go there, there should be a link up at the top of the page that says find a meeting. And then they'll have a page that lists all the ones in different regions of America. And then they also have an international meeting section which I know covers at least five or six different countries at this point. But and do they just turn up at yeah. the meeting, or do you sort of expect to ring somebody first? Or? They just turn up. Yeah. And what about other resources? So this book here? I would highly recommend the book. That's the obvious one. It is one of the best books I've ever read. 
And so even if someone doesn't have a meeting available to them, then I still think that they could get a huge amount of benefit in regards to recovery from reading the Method Recovery book. And is it, I mean, would someone need to have at least some knowledge of Buddhism to kind of, or is it, is it very, very basic? It, it explains everything from a standpoint that is understandable by anybody. Brilliant. And any other, other resources you can think of that have kind of helped you in regards to this? Is there any, did you recommend any books outside of the kind of refuge recovery literature? I would recommend, actually, well, just going beyond the refuge recovery book, other books that Noah has written. He has written a few. One's called Against the Stream, which is his um, Buddhism, or his approach to Buddhism in a non-addiction, or non-specifically substance process addiction standpoint, which is also really good. It goes a little more deeper and gets a little more complex than the Refuge Recovery book on those principles. So I would recommend that as a follow-up book to read after Refuge Recovery. And then Dharma Punks is quite entertaining too. That's his autobiography. And it kind of gives a little more background on how he got to the point which he started Refuge Recovery. Brilliant. Well, that seems to be all the questions, Will. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Any parting words? I guess in summary, you know, I can't say that refuge recovery is the best approach to addiction recovery. For me right now, it's working very well, but it's also working very well when combined with CBT and combined with 12-step meetings when I need to go to a 12-step meeting. So sometimes people do get caught up in that idea that we have to pick a way. We have to pick one way that is the best way and just put all our energy into that. I don't see it that way. So I would recommend to anybody to try Refuge, but also try the 12 steps and try CBT and try everything. And if you try everything, then you'll find the program that works best for you or the combination of programs that works best for you. That makes perfect sense. Thanks very much, Will. Right, thank you. And maybe we'll have to do another one of these at some point. Really interesting.